find out if you're ready for love. Here's your marvelous host, Nikki Lee. Hello, and welcome to Ready for Love Radio. This is your host and love coach, Nikki Lee. Today, we are going to tackle um, a difficult topic that I think a lot of people don't really understand the gravity of it and what an issue it is here in the States uh, and, and throughout the world. So we're going we're gonna to tackle the topic of human trafficking. And I have got an internationally recognized authority on human trafficking with me today. I figure if you're going to do it, make sure you get somebody that knows what they're talking about. So my guest is Nancy Hartwell. And one of her focuses is the 21st century slave trade focused on the oil-rich states of the Persian Gulf. And she became fascinated and horrified by human trafficking when a German friend of hers disappeared, and it was lately rumored she'd been sold to a sultan in Libya. And she's written three books on the subject um, that form her human trafficking series. The first one is Harem Slave, which actually got to number seven, um, in the fiction category on Amazon, and I can tell you I know how hard that is to do. <laughs> and um, Then she also has book two, which is, uh, I don't know how to pronounce it, but it's the prince's favorite. And the third is Voices from the Harem. All of these are, are perennial bestsellers. So Nancy, I'm thrilled to have you with me today. Well, thank you, Nikki. I'm really tickled to be here. Well, like I said, it's, it's a topic I don't think people want to think about and, and that sort of thing. But I, I think, like I said, well, we were talking before the show, and it's almost as a public service. It's information I want to get out there and have people so that they can they can listen to the privacy of their home when they're when they're up to it, and to just educate people about what's going on. Because you know, people may think this only happens in third world countries, but that's that's not true at all, is it? I'm afraid not. It happens absolutely everywhere, and it's a much bigger problem than most people realize. Even though slavery has been outlawed almost everywhere, there are more slaves on earth right now than at any time in human history. The State Department estimates that there are between 25 and 30 million slaves worldwide. And um, they also estimate that approximately 2 million of these are in highly developed countries like the United States. Yes, that's, just, that's so hard to believe. Uh, not, not saying it's, it's not mind-boggling. Boring. Yeah, it's well, mind-boggling. It is. Well, and we're going to get into some details because people probably have an idea of their mind in as far as the sort of people, the sort of situations. But, I mean, I was, I was doing some research yesterday. I, I like to get into these shows and have an idea what I'm talking about. And I couldn't uh-huh. believe the information I was finding, you know. And a lot of times people just assume it's just um, having people in the, in the sex trades. But that's, that's just the tip of the iceberg with this kind of thing. So, um, yes, there are many kinds of, of modern-day slavery. Um, the most common is forced labor. For example, the... World Cup, which is going to take place in Qatar in 2022. Right. The facilities are being built by slave labor, and the uh, conditions are so horrendous that they have been averaging a death a day. 
These are mostly young men from um, India, Nepal, Afghanistan, Pakistan, and Somalia who were lured to there by promises of, of wonderful jobs. And when they got there, they were betrayed and trapped. And um, these, these are young men. These are not sex slaves. They're, they're labor slaves. Um, and that is the most common form of slavery in the world today. The sex slave trade gets a lot of publicity because it's a little bit more lurid. Um, nevertheless, um, young men are at great risk of, of, of being trapped into involuntary servitude. Right. Like I said, it just it boggles my mind. It really does. Well, and, and one of the things, we're, we're going to handle this in more detail, but I, in the front page of your website, you've got some you know, interesting facts of, about human trafficking. And one of the things is it says the victims of human trafficking are controlled physically, psychologically, emotionally, and financially. You know, they can't just walk away because they're usually you know, living in terror of what the captor is going to do to either them or their family. And, right. You know, so it just their their lives are being threatened unless unless they toe the line. Yes, right. and their families too. Yes, and this is this is not something you can just poo poo and say, oh well, they're they're um, they just don't know how to take care of themselves. Traffickers are professionals. They know how to do this, and um, they know what works and what doesn't work, and the rest of us are absolutely no match for them. So um, we, we need to take this very seriously indeed. Definitely. Okay. Um, let me see. It, it, some of the information I was looking at said that there's, there's three basic elements to human trafficking. One of them is the act. That's what is done. The means, how it's done. Mm-hmm. And third is why it's done. So all three of those are important things to take a look at. Um, uh-huh. It, I, I would think greed is one of the big reasons they do this kind of thing. Um, uh, yes, Nikki, it is a multi-billion dollar international industry. Traffickers make tons and tons and tons of money. And they don't care that they're destroying lives. No. They simply do not care they're making tons of money. And it is... A lot of it is controlled by organized crime. Um, so, it, but it is a very lucrative business. You know, one one yes, of the greed, like you say, yes. One one of the definitions I found was the recruitment, harboring, transportation, provision, or obtaining of a person for labor or services through the use of force, fraud, or coercion for the purpose of subjection to involuntary servitude. Uh, debt bondage or slavery. That that covers a whole lot of territory and a lot of situations. Yes. yes. A lot of um, but that's a, a a very good definition. Yes. Uh, that's why I saved it. I like that one. <laughs> so, uh huh. Well, like I said, and, and sometimes you you just that's about as concise as I saw. Everybody else had big, long, huge de- descriptions, but that that sums it all up in in one one very. Um, uh, right, and it does cover a lot of territory. For for example, it mentions um, debt slavery. Right. Uh, this this turns out to be okay. This is especially common in northern India, by the way. Um, there's a family that's faced with a crisis. 
um, some financial crisis, maybe life-saving surgery or something of that nature, and they don't have the means to pay for this emergency. So what they do, somebody will advance them the money in exchange for their labor. Now, if it were a fair exchange, we wouldn't be talking about this today, but it's usually rigged so that um, the, the debtor ends up spending like five years to repay a $500 debt, um, and then it's further rigged so that the debtor continues to get even deeper into debt. For example, the food that is provided is so inadequate that the debtor is obliged to buy more food from the debt holder, of course. Of so course. what turns out to be a temporary situation ends up being permanent, and somebody can spend 25 years paying off a, a $500 debt. It's, it's really, really rigged. Yes. Okay, now consider, I mean, considering about the whole financial angle of this, there's, there's something I want to clear up that, that these two things are not the same. There is a difference between human trafficking and human smuggling. Because people, especially in like the border states and with all the talk about immigration, I think people are very familiar with the term human smuggling. But right. Those, those are not the same thing. What, what are some of the differences between those two situations? Okay, well, smuggling is when um, somebody promises to help somebody get to a desirable destination, usually for a very high price. For example, like the coyotes um, at the, that help people get from the Mexican border um, to uh, across the desert in Arizona, or at least they pretend that they're, they're going to help people. Right. Or like these ferry operators who are currently preying on all of the refugees from Syria, um, that is smuggling when when it's an illicit trade, um, but it it is simply to transport people from a dangerous situation to a more desirable situation, and of course half the time it turns into trafficking because the smugglers are crooks, um, right. but. If it doesn't, then it's simply the crime of smuggling. Um, um, but, but these people are still at very great risk of being trafficked in addition to being ripped off um, because a lot of times the smugglers are, are dishonest. But uh, there is a distinction between human smuggling and human trafficking, yes. Right. Well, like I said, I just wanted to kind of go ahead and get that clear up front so people aren't thinking... That, that human smuggling is the same thing because they are not the same thing. They are and not the same. You're correct. Smuggling can evolve into a trafficking situation depending on who you're, you're dealing with, but they don't start out the same way. Right, but it's still uh, people preying on the vulnerable and um, um, taking advantage of, of people who are, are desperately trying to improve their lives. Definitely. All right, Some, just a few of the statistics I found. Um, said 12.3 million adults and children are in forced labor or forced prostitution around the world, which I would think is probably a higher number than that. Um, probably. 800,000 mm -hmm. people are trafficked across international borders each year. Um, yep. 14,500 to 17,500 of those international victims enter the United States which sadly that, that doesn't surprise me. 
It says almost uh-huh. 25% of those international victims end up in the southeastern United States. That surprised me. And um, Yeah, well, that's where, well, I would say the southeastern U.S. and, um, and California, that's where the margar- migrant farmers go. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Um, and then between 100,000 and 300,000 miners are at risk of commercial sexual exploitation. That just, that, th- these numbers are horrifying. They really, really are. Oh, they give me the chills. Well, like I said, it's, it's the kind of thing that, that people start to hear about it and they, they don't want to hear anymore. They just kind of block it out. But, I mean, for the safety of ourselves, you know, children and all that, it's the kind of thing we need to face. That's why we're talking about it today. Absolutely. And if we try to shield our children from knowing about these crimes, we're putting them at additional risk because they don't know what the dangers out there are. Right. Well, the thing is, you, you want to, whatever you do, you want to make it age appropriate, but they need to understand there are, there are dangers in the world. There's a whole lot of dangers. Right. And not everybody out there with a cute puppy is a nice person. No, definitely not. Definitely right. not. Mm. <clears throat> okay, so uh, vulnerabilities. You mentioned that people preying on vulnerable individuals. Um, right. Who would be vulnerable to becoming a victim of domestic or international human trafficking? What sort of people are we talking about? Okay, well, a runaway would be, um, I mean, traffickers can spot runaways at 50 paces. And they have, like, red flashing lights on them. Um, uh, come take advantage of me. Uh, they, t- typical situation, they're abused so severely at home that they, they say, damn it, I'm not going to put up with this another minute, and they run away. But they don't have anywhere to run to. So they go to a mall and they sit there or something, or they go to a bus station or a train station, and there are traffickers out there trolling these places looking for runaways. And they will find an excuse to strike up a conversation and um, offer shelter and, you know, a shoulder to cry on and pretend to become their, their loyal and concerned friend. And for a, a few weeks, in fact, they, they might actually you know, pretend to be one, but then once the targeted person is uh, emotionally dependent on them and probably financially dependent on them by this time too, then they move in for the kill. Well, sweetheart, it, you know, it's time you started showing me some gratitude. Right. Um, now, for somebody trying to be a pimp, this works, this works very well. Um, do the math, Nikki. If if a pimp can control ten girls, which is not unusual, um, and each girl is obliged to bring him a minimum of three hundred dollars a day, um, that's a million a year. Hmm. So there's some um, there's some motivation for for controlling ten girls, and um, uh, the, the runaways and, and the other girls who look like they have low self-esteem or um, they look traumatized, 
these are the ones that are the the low hanging fruit that that um, traffickers go after as a as a general rule. If if you know anybody out there who's planning to run away from home, please 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 help them find some other solution. Most communities have shelters where families can go um, find out what these shelters are in your community so that you will have some um, actual practical alternative to, to running away. But please help them find some other solution because they are at extreme risk. Definitely. Some of the, um, some of the vulnerable populations, in, in addition to um, teens, which I would think is definitely a target audience, would oh, be yes. Um, oh, yes. migrant workers, new immigrants, people that are socially or economically disadvantaged, and people that have been lured into the bigger cities, you know, like maybe New York, LA, that sort of thing, mm -hmm. and, and go there of their own free will because they think they're going to have a better life or get into acting or, or whatever reason they use. But then right. they're, they're, they're at the mercy of, of whoever sees them, you know. Well, but, um, what traffickers what traffickers often do is is lure people with um, a promise of a wonderful job or a wonderful opportunity, and then once they come, um, they're trapped into into staying. For example, um, traffickers who are looking for young girls will put ads on websites that they know that young girls like offering a, a fabulous opportunity as a puzzle or a, a part in a movie or a tryout for a hot new band. Then once the girl shows up, oh, and by the way, they go to a lot of trouble to make their offices look authentic, you know, with movie posters and movie magazines and elaborately staged phone calls that make it sound like they're casting a remake of a major film. I mean, they... they they make it look right. So the girl comes in, and they ask her a question. It's two parts. Right. What they're really asking is the second part, but what the girl hears is the first part. And the question is, honey, do you have time to sit down and chat for a few minutes, or is there somebody waiting for you? Exactly. Now, uh -huh. now she hears, oh, he's taking me seriously. He wants to talk. Right. What he's asking is, have you come alone and unprotected? Exactly. And if she says, well, um, my dad had to drop something off at his karate studio next door, but he'll be right back, she won't get the job. <clears throat> right. Um, if, if she says, oh, no, that's okay, we can talk, he'll probably sit down and chat with her for few minutes to put her completely at ease and to dispel all doubts that she might have about the reality of this wonderful opportunity. And then I'll say, well, here, um, let me show you into the studio. Well, the studio is probably a closet, and he'll dump her in and lock her in, and bingo, she becomes a statistic. That's it. Well, I was looking yep. at you. You actually covered a whole lot of these, but um, one of the one of the things I was looking at was how are victims recruited and controlled? It can be direct contact with a person, agents scouting for potential victims. See exactly what you were saying: misleading advertisements about jobs, contact uh -huh. on the internet, and that's especially, you know, 
you just you never know exactly who you're talking to online, <laughs> you know. And I've told people, I mean, I've, I've talked to people, and they're like, well, you can't pretend to be somebody that you're not. I'm like, oh, yeah, you can. It's easy. You know, not a problem at all. But, and um, not, only, not only that, Nikki, but even Internet games. There are predators pretending to be other 11-year-olds on the other end of that Internet game. They're yeah. everywhere. That's it. Well, I, I, there was this person that, that played some of the same games that I did on Facebook, and we talked a bunch of times. Turns out he was like 12 years old. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That wasn't what he was pretending to be. And, that, and the pictures, pictures he used, of course, weren't him, you know. But it was funny because right. he, he sent right. a message. They're, every, they're everywhere, yes. That's it. So pretending to be older or younger, you know. But, uh-huh. Well, the thing is, those, those ways of reaching out to a potential victim are much more subtle much more subtle, but there are more abusive methods like um, coercing them to comply, which, you know, could, could include all kinds of things, extorting the person, kidnapping the person, or, or just using physical and emotional, you know, violence of some kind or abuse. So, right. Now, also, there's this, there's this thing about sexting, you know, where, where a right. boyfriend will convince his girlfriend to, to send him a picture, you know, topless or something. Right. Well, guess what? Then they break up, and he can blackmail her. Exactly. Um, um, and have you ever heard of a boyfriend and girlfriend who broke up? I mean, the, the, you know, this might actually happen. Um, uh, and and that's that's part of this this whole process too. You were talking about extortion. Um, sometimes. Uh, a guy will pretend to be madly in love with a girl on Facebook or wherever, and, oh, every time I see her smile, it just sends me into heaven. Oh, sweetheart, I've just got to meet you in person. Mm-hmm. And a, a lot of girls who show up for these secret appointments are never seen again. Exactly. That's why I wanted to mention the contact him on the Internet. Thank you. you yep. So right in line with what I wanted. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah, the Internet has made recruiting for this awfully easy, unfortunately. Uh, yeah, people, it floors me the things people do and say on the Internet. It, and, well, even, even the people that, that share all their children's pictures all the time and they say where they live and where they go to school, I'm like, people, what are you doing? What are you thinking? Right. Well, um, and parents really need to monitor their kids' social media sites. Yeah. Now, if you do it behind their back, it's gonna be you're gonna be a bad person, and you're gonna set off World War III. But if you do it with your kids, you can turn it into kind of an educational moment, so you can point out pictures that never in a million years should have been posted on the internet. Or other postings that are full of red flags that even a savvy 13-year-old might not pick up on, um, so that so that you gradually inoculate the kids into knowing what is fishy and what is for real. Right. That's it. They need to be involved. So we touched on this a little bit, but why don't the victims of trafficking just run away? Right. Well, they are under such dire threats that they simply do not dare. Um, 
sometimes they will threaten the person themselves. Sometimes they will threaten a family member. I know of one case, for instance, where um, there was a girl, they targeted her, her specifically. She was very pretty. And they found out her routine that she would take a particular bus to a particular place. And one day she missed the bus. So they sent a 70-year-old something man to pick her up. And so this grandfather shows up at the bus stop, and he says, honey, you can't sit here and wait for the next bus. It's almost an hour. This is a dangerous neighborhood. Where are you going? Let me take you. So she's not scared. She gets in the car with him, and he takes her straight to the pimp who tells her, we know where your little girl goes to daycare. And if you don't do what we say, we are going to torture your little girl. And they will graphically describe how. Of course. Um, okay. Well, if you're a mother, that's a serious threat. And, um, and these guys are so nasty that you suspect that they would actually do it. So this is really hard to, to get around. And um, they will use all kinds of techniques to coerce, to pressure, to, I mean, threat, blackmail, anything that works to get leverage, they will do. That's it. Mm. So what, what kind of effect does trafficking have on the victim? Well, it's, it is totally devastating. <clears throat> I have a friend who works with, um, with girls who have been rescued from the streets of Baltimore. Mm -hmm. And they have a wonderful um, shelter there where they, they um, give us the, the girls who have been rescued, they continue their education. <clears throat> they give them marketable skills like being a pastry chef or you know, some, something else that's really fun and will make money in the legitimate market. But some of the girls are so traumatized, they do not trust anybody, even people who are genuinely trying to help them. They have been abused, deceived, betrayed, jerked around so often at a very vulnerable age that they simply do not trust anybody. And some of them actually go back to the streets. It's, they hate it, but it's all they know. Right. And in a certain grotesque sense, <clears throat> they have a sense of security being on the streets, which is crazy because once a girl has been trafficked domestically, her life expectancy is approximately six years. Oh, wow. Yeah, and most of them are trafficked in their early teens, say 14. So by the time she's 20, chances are she'll be dead um, through either a, a brutal pimp or a brutal customer. After all, it's just a whore. Um, suicide or drug overdose, the, the pimp also often gets these girls hooked on expensive drugs as a further way of controlling them, and then, then he is their only source of these drugs. Um, there are all kinds of ways to manipulate people, and pimps and traffickers 
know all of them. They know all the buttons to push, and the rest of us are really no match for them. This is how they spend their lives. They know what works. They know what doesn't work. And they keep experimenting until they find something that works. And this is how they spend their lives. This, this is what they know. It's what they do. And they find techniques that are extremely effective. Mm. Well, and, and we're not really trying to scare people, but we're trying to wake people up. That this, that's this right. That's right. This, this is a that's very right. big problem. You know, don't don't listen to the most graphic parts of this and just go, oh no no no, it can't happen here. You know what? Yes, it can. You'd be amazed where these things are going on. So now, I want to talk about um, where where could we possibly. I mean, obviously, you know, if if somebody's being trafficked sexually. There's certain places you're going to find them. But as far as just as a whole for people being uh-huh. trafficked, where are some people, where are some places that people could run into a human trafficking victim and not not even have a clue the person could be in that situation? Does that make sense? Okay. Um, massage parlors, um, nail parlors, um, um, sometimes in agricultural um, situations. I mean, um, they they will be um, picking vegetables or fruits or or something. Um, and remember the the case of Cleveland not long ago, where this guy had managed to keep three girls slaves in his in his house in Cleveland, uh, oh, right yeah. under everybody's noses. Okay, now. There are a couple signs you can watch for. Number one, if there are locks outside, right, you can be pretty sure that that's to keep somebody in and not to keep bad people out. Number two, if they have put aluminum foil or opaque plastic over the windows, they're trying to hide something. Right. And um, you might want to point this out to local authorities so that they could investigate. And if you see something kind of fishy, maybe just take a discreet picture and <clears throat> write down the date and the, the time, um, but don't try to do everything yourself, but, but do be aware of what's going on and, and um, let the authorities know. Also, if, if you see a girl on the street and it's 35 degrees and she's just wearing a sweater, um, <clears throat> You, you might get the impression that nobody is taking care of her and that she is not able to take care of herself. And you might, um, you might ask a discreet question or two. Um, um, those, are, those are some of the places that, that, that we can see human trafficking victims that, that might be right under our noses. And unless we're alert to the idea, we wouldn't even give it a second thought. You know, I was just thinking too, if you are interacting with a person you suspect may be in this situation, don't just listen to what they're saying. Watch their body language. Listen to what they're not uh-huh. saying. You know, yes. Because the, the idea that, that somebody that's being controlled to this degree would give you a flat-out honest answer right up front and willingly, that's probably not going to happen, I wouldn't think. 
you know, so yeah. Well, they'd be scared to death that that you you're an undercover quality control person, also that would be sent um, specifically to find out if they're toeing the line or not. So they they'd be scared to talk to you, right? Right. And you might be from the IRS. You might be from immigration, and their situation is probably not in you know squeaky clean form. So they're they're scared to talk to you because you might deport them. Well, in that kind of situation too, they probably speak limited English, don't yes. really understand the legal system in this country. They certainly don't know the laws, you know. Right. And they've right. been told, you know, if if you're discovered, then something horrible is going to happen, or your family's going to be hurt. So I mean, you yep. you have no idea what that person's been told and what they think when you first approach them. So like I said, watch, absolutely, you, you can tell if a person's being evasive. You know, so just watch, like I said, watch their body language and, and listen for what they're not telling you, how they're not reacting. So, Very good point. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, and how to, how to recognize the victim. Um, let me just, I, I found an awesome list. Um, let me see. Obviously, if somebody under 18 is engaged in commercial sexual activity, that would be, that should be a red flag. Whether yes. they're being trafficked or not, that should be a red flag, I would think. Yes. Um, if if the person can or cannot come and go as they please, um, right. there's always somebody with them if they're not allowed to go outside. Well, like, like the girls you were talking about in Cleveland, you know, they they couldn't come and go as they please. You know, even if they right. were outside, he was always with them. Um, if the person's being controlled or intimidated by somebody, um, uh-huh. if they if they may not speak on their own behalf. I hate when somebody always tries to talk for somebody else. Right. Um, let me see. If, if somebody else has their documents, like if right. somebody has, has confiscated your driver's license or your passport, um, that's another controlling you. Yep. That's it. Um, if they're not familiar with the neighborhood that they're in, that they either live in or work in, that could be a sign of something. If they move frequently, um, if they have injuries, bruises, um, if they have visible signs of like cigarette burns or being cut or hurt in some other way, uh, yep. branding, scarring. I mean, you, you notice that people have unusual marks on them. Like you right. mentioned also, um, signs of malnutrition if they're not, not being fed enough. Or, or inappropriately dressed for the weather, right? Right, right. Um, if they express fear or intimidation through their facial expressions or body language. I actually didn't read that before my other comment. <laughs> so, <laughs> let me see. If they, if they work excessively long or very unusual hours, uh, let me see. If there's bars in the windows, and this goes along with, with what you were saying as far as if they're blocking the windows so, so you can't see in, but also mm-hmm. um, have they done something to the doors and the windows so the person can't get out? Is there barbed right. wire security cameras, constant surveillance, if they avoid eye contact, um, um, and if they don't have their own identification documents, if they don't have a driver's right. license or, or a passport or something like that. All of those things, that, that doesn't guarantee they're a victim of human trafficking, but it, it's a red flag. And I love to provide right. red flags for people. And if, you see, and if you see several of those red flags, your right. hackles should really go up. Yes. Definitely. Definitely. So <laughs> this is a, could be complicated, but if a person isn't being held captive physically, 
is it still considered trafficking? Or could it still be considered trafficking? And we kind of touched on this, but I, I think it needs to be said. Yes, because there are other ways of controlling people, like psychologically and, and financially. Um, and yes, it doesn't have to be just physical control, although that's, that's almost always a big part of it. But it is entirely possible, yeah. Very true. Now, what, what kind of role does law enforcement play in uh, addressing and, and handling human trafficking? Okay, well, this is um, a, a big question, and that answer depends an awful lot on where you live. Um, some communities are very actively involved in combating this crime. Others pretty much uh, ignore it. And I would strongly suggest that um, you go to a site for an organization called Polaris, P-O-L-A-R-I-S, and they rate each state on its legal environment regarding human trafficking. And most states end up with a C or a D. We treat victims of human trafficking like they're common criminals. They're victimized at home, they're victimized again by a pimp, and they're victimized again by society because we treat them as if it's all their fault and they're common criminals. Right. Um, there is only one state in the country that gets an A, and that is Tennessee. Really? So, yes. So you need to find out how your state ranks in the legal environment. Then identify the champions for human trafficking in your home state legislature, and then work with them to encourage the boys who just never have quite understood this issue so that we can improve at least the legal environment. Many communities also have task forces <clears throat> against human trafficking, and you might want to volunteer to serve on one of these task forces. Um, what happens, however, community A is very active in combating the crime, and community B right next door isn't, so guess where the traffickers go? Exactly. Well, we need to put traffickers under pressure all the time, everywhere. We need to have a much more broad-based and widespread combat against this crime rather than here and there kind of being spotty depending on the neighborhood. Um, so that's something that people can, can do to help law enforcement um, face up to this really overwhelming, overwhelming crime. Um, there are also lots of local organizations that um, work hard against this crime. They're often associated with religious groups or community groups like, like um, Kiwanis or Rotary or something. Um, you might want to get involved with them to help victims and also help educate people, especially like school students who are getting old enough to be really um, targets for, for this crime, um, to help make them aware of, of what's going on. Um, law enforcement can't do everything alone. They really need the help 
from citizens in the in the community and we can we can make a big dent in this problem if more more of us get involved very true very true um it, i mean we we just kind of assume that areas like new york l a you know any any big city is going to have a lot of this kind of problem and I, you know it's a target rich environment environment so I'm sure it is but what what are some examples that you know of of uh, situations that have happened in smaller areas because I mean I was I was mentioning to you before this and people who've listened to the show might have heard um, I, I did a show about um, not only a, a girl a young woman that was um, kidnapped and then killed from UVA, which is in Charlottesville, Virginia, which is very close to me. But I also, uh-huh. when I started researching, I found out a lot of, of young women had been kidnapped and, and some of them had also been killed from a very small community. I mean, the, the whole county has like less than 20,000 people in it. That's the kind of right. place you don't think this kind of thing is going to happen. And, and you don't assume that, that you know, your, your daughter takes off to go to the store and she's going to have pictures taken and somebody kidnaps her and kills her at the corner store when, I mean, like I said, there, there aren't 10,000 people in your whole little community, you know. Right. But this, is not, this is not our stereotype of how it happens. Um, I, was, I was interested to know that the two biggest prostitution rings on the East Coast in the United States, one of them works out of Toledo, Ohio, and the other works out of Flushing, New York. We're not talking Boston. We're not talking Miami. We're not talking Washington, D.C. Right. Flushing, New York. Um, it's everywhere. Um, and and we, we would be guilty of just wishful thinking if we think, oh, I'm in a rural community. It's not going to happen here. Um, you remember the case of Natalie Holloway the girl from Alabama who disappeared in Aruba a few years back? Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, she was there on a high school graduation trip and disappeared. Now, the Dutch guy, Joran van der Sloot, um, he was originally questioned repeatedly regarding her assumed murder, but they never found a body. Right. And finally, three years later, on Fox News, Vandersloot said, well, actually, I sold her into slavery to an Arab who works in the oil industry in Venezuela right next door. Hmm. He later recanted that story, but um, that seems to be the most credible of all of the, the stories that he did tell about her. Um, in fact, I even heard that the Arab that he sold her to, since she had become so well-known, there was a great deal of prestige involved in owning her, and he actually paid several million dollars for the privilege of owning her. Mm, unreal. Um, it's everywhere. And by the way, Aruba is one of the principal centers of the international slave trade in the Western Hemisphere. They have three major industries there. Number one, drugs number two, trafficking, and number three, tourism. If you plan to go there, um, keep a good eye on, on, your, uh, on your kids. Hmm. Well, that, that leads, see, you just you're so good. That leads right into the next question. <laughs> we didn't plan it. <laughs> um, what, 
what can parents do to okay. protect the kids? All right. Um, first of all, like I said, you've got to monitor your kids' social media sites. And also encourage them, if they have a question about something, uh, Mom, what do you think about this, that they feel free to ask you and you're not going to come down on them hard if, if, if they're bothering you with all these questions. Um, number two, have a family password. Uh, <clears throat> traffickers in young children uh, like to go to schools at the time that school is letting out. And they'll go up to a kid and say, and they'll see Brittany written on her school bag. Oh, Brittany, um, your, your mom couldn't come pick you up today, so she asked me to come get you. Now, if Brittany says, what's the password, and he doesn't know it, she knows not to go with him, okay? Um, and by the way, be careful. If, if you write Billy on his baseball cap or Brittany on her school bag, it's real easy for somebody to call them by name, and the kid doesn't associate that with their, their um, uh, personalized belonging. Be careful about that. Um, there was also <clears throat> recently an experiment that a guy carried out in a plate. He was a 30-something clean-cut white guy with a cute little puppy. And he went up to a parent and said, um, look, I just want to find out. Have you told your kids not to talk to strangers? And parents always said, yes, of course. He said, do you mind if I try to get your child to go off with me? Said, go I, right ahead. I, I saw that. The parents were floored. That was a great, a great test he did. And it, I love that he did yeah. it right in front of the parents. Yes. Well, um, do you want to pet my puppy? Of course. I have more puppies. Do you want to go see my puppies? Oh, yes. And they'd go skipping off with him, holding his hand. Now, this That's is not the way we picture a kidnapping. Um, now, people have criticized that experiment because they say that it's possible that the kids saw him talking to their parents. Okay, it's possible, but probably not. <laughs> what if they hadn't? And, and all the kids went off with him. Yeah. So, um, so you need to warn people that not even everybody out there with a cute puppy is a nice person. And, of course, the kids are focused on the puppy rather than the fact that the guy is a stranger. They also have sneaky, sneaky ways that they get around not talking to strangers. <clears throat> For example, sometimes they work in pairs. One guy will come up and start groping a girl. She gets mad. He gropes her again. She gets even madder. Then a hero magically steps in and rescues her. Well, have you ever told your kids not to talk to heroes? Um, <laughs> okay? The whole thing is a setup. They're, they're, they're in partners. But what they're trying to do is break the stranger barrier so that within 30 seconds they can extract all the information that they need from this target girl, where she's going, is somebody going to be meeting her, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You have to warn kids that, that they will try sneaky things like that. Or 
the old trick of letting out the air in a tire in a parking place. And then the target girl comes back to the car, and then the hero comes in and fixes the tire that, of course, he is the one who, who messed up in the first place, all the while carrying on a very pleasant conversation. Um, so, yeah, they, these guys know what they're doing. They have all kinds of techniques that have been proven to work again and again and again. Mm. Well, actually, we are almost out of time, believe it or not. So uh, you mentioned to me that you put together a free course that you're going to have on your website. You want to tell the listeners about that? Yes. It's called um, Modern Day Slavery 101. It's a five-day course. Um, and I have packed an awful lot of information into it about the different kinds of slavery, the kinds of situations that people find themselves in that end up leading to slavery, um, how the victims spend their lives once they've been caught up in this horrendous crime, um, who the, the main targets are, and then also finally, um, what we can do about it as individuals and as communities to help combat the crime and then um, help the, the victims of this crime. Uh, it will be a free download, and I encourage all of you to go on to nancyhartwell.com and, and download it. There's absolutely no obligation. It's simply a, a way to get the word out there so that people are aware of the different um, nature that this this crime takes. No matter what you call it, it's slavery, and no matter what you call it, it is really heartbreaking. Very true. Like I said, I, I well, it was funny because I, I saw the information about you being one of the radio interviews, and I thought, well, you know, that's probably something I should cover. I'm not sure, you know, how big an issue it really is in this country, but like I said, I started doing the research, and I started reading your website, and, and just couldn't couldn't believe the scope of it. Like I said, we, you assume the 21st century, this wouldn't be something we need to talk about anymore. But you know, it, it, right? But unfortunately, that's wishful thinking. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a it's a big problem. And Nikki, I thank you so much for for helping get the word out. I hope you have touched some lives in a very positive way today. I hope I hope we have too. And like I said, I, I want to make sure that people know. Um, on would you want to you want to spell your name out for people so they know what your website is? Okay, it's Nancy Hartwell, H-A-R-T-W-E-L-L dot com. And um, there's a, a lot of information there. My, I have links um, about my books there, and um, uh, it's, it's a, a resource that's meant for everybody to use in combating this crime. Thank you. Very true. Okay, on my website, which is www.lovecoachjourney.com, uh, you will also see information about the show, and I think I'm going to make the page go look for. If you don't see it on the front page, which it should be for for at least the next few weeks, um, look at www.lovecoachjourney.com/slash/human-trafficking, all one word, um, and you'll find information about Nancy. You'll find links to her website. Um, I'm going to put the link for Polaris, which she mentioned. I'm going to put that on there so, so we can kind of have an idea of what our, our local area is doing about this situation. Um, and there will also be an archive of the show. So 
so even after after we we air on on Thursday night, um, you or anybody you know, feel free to recommend it to other people to take a listen to this and and learn more about it. Um, so the the archive of the show will be there too, so people can hear it anytime or or listen again. I always try to pack a whole lot of information in, into the hour that I'm on the air. <laughs> but I, I figure with with the archive, people can go back and listen again if they need to. <laughs> so. So anyway, and I'll also have the link to the course that Nancy mentioned, which, like she said, it is free. The, the idea is to get the word out to people. So, and I, I plan as soon as you have it available, I'm going to download it because I want to. I want to learn okay. more about. Okay. Absolutely. That. <laughs> but yeah, it's definitely something that that people need to consider. And, and like I said, I I I do a lot of programs about more fun, lighthearted kind of of topics, but sometimes there's just something that that hits me that it, it is an issue, it is a problem, and especially especially when people are in danger and if kids are in danger. I love to, to cover those kind of things just because, you know, we've we got to get the word out. I mean, people don't want to face a lot of these kind of things, but people, we need to. We need to deal with this kind of stuff. So uh, I, have, I was talking to a friend right before we, we started doing this, and I said it's going to be a really intense hour. So I, I'm going to need somebody to, to, like, joke with me after we get done with this. <laughs> but like I said, well, and, and like you said, and like I said earlier, you know, even if only one person gets the message and it helps them, it, that's awesome. That's awesome. That's easily worth the time we put into it. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. So it is an issue, people. I mean, even, even in the U.S., like so we like to hope that, Things are better here, but, you know, it, it's a problem here, too. So, unfortunately, we see it in the news way too frequently. So, Nancy, thank you very much for coming on today and sharing your information about this. And it was it was really cool how many, how many notes I had down here, the stuff I wanted to talk about. You mentioned it before I got a chance to. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay, well, thank you, Nikki. I really appreciate the opportunity to help get the word out. Awesome. Well, listeners, um, I hope that you've got some information today that you can use. Like I said, feel free to, to come back and listen to the archives, uh, lovecoastjourney.com slash human trafficking. And trafficking actually has a K in it, so it may not be spelled exactly like you think. It's H-U-M-A-N-T-R-A-F-F-I-C-K-I-N-G, I believe. And I'm doing that off yep. the top of my head. <laughs> yep. You, you, you got it right. Bingo. Awesome. Awesome. All right, listeners. And I will see you all next time on Ready for Love Radio.